KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Tebby Cruz. It's Tuesday, September 12th. Officials in the U.S. government are discussing mental health challenges with local students. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The FDA this week approved a new round of vaccines to fight against COVID-19. The new vaccines are from Moderna, Pfizer, and its partner, BioNTech. They were approved for those 12 and older and under an emergency use authorization for children 6 months to 11 years old. The vaccines target the Omicron subvariant XBB.1.5, but that's not the most common strain anymore. Health officials say the vaccine should still provide good protection against the new emerging variants. The shots will be given as a single dose for most people regardless of prior COVID-19 vaccination history. A panel of advisors to the CDC will meet today to make recommendations on the rollout of the vaccines. The number of people who died in the county by suicide rose slightly last year. 360 people died by suicide last year and 358 the previous year, which was the lowest in a decade. There was a downward trend in suicides overall in the county from 2012 to 2021. But death rates during those years increased 7% for 10 to 24-year-olds and 3% for adults 25 to 44. County officials shared the findings late last week as part of the Suicide Prevention Council's annual report. If you or someone you love is struggling with thoughts of suicide, call 988 for help. The median price of a single-family home in the county reached more than $1 million last month. The Greater San Diego Association of Realtors says median prices for single-family homes were up nearly 14% compared to August last year. Plus, median prices for condos and townhomes were up almost 9% compared to a year ago. Given the high prices, home sales overall were down 19% from last August. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Students in North County discussed mental health with their congressional representative and a national health official yesterday, North County reporter Alexander Wynn says a similar discussion in 2019 inspired a law passed last year that prioritizes funding for student mental health. Health and Human Services Deputy Secretary Andrea Palm started the discussion at Bernardo Heights Middle School by recognizing that students today face more challenges than the previous generation, from bullying to suicide to school shootings. And that takes a toll on their mental health. And that's where the Suicide Training and Awareness Nationally Delivered for Universal Prevention Act, or Stand-Up Act, introduced by Congressman Scott Peters, comes in. Sam Boyce was there in 2019 for the roundtable with Peters. He says it was incredible to see legislation put in place for what they raised concerns about. Especially with the suicide rates going up, just the overall stigma around mental health in middle school and high school 
I've seen it firsthand. I've had my own mental health struggles and I feel that it's just such a, an important thing that people need to talk about. According to Rady Children's Hospital, pediatric psychiatric crisis has increased nearly 28 times from 10 years ago, and it's showing no signs of slowing down. Alexander Nguyen, KPBS News. Neighbors in a Del Cerro community awoke again yesterday to anti-Semitic flyers, this time promoting misinformation about 9-11. Reporter Matt Hoffman has details. KPBS is not revealing the messages on the flyers. Del Cerro and nearby communities have seen a rise in recent months of people dropping off anti-Semitic flyers. We're disgusted. It's it, it's really gross. And on top of that, everything that they're saying is lies. Councilmember Raul Campillo represents the area. He held a news conference with Jewish faith leaders last week addressing this issue. He says the cowardly actions only have him doubling down on a proposal to up penalties. Right now, people can be cited with littering, but Campillo is proposing a new misdemeanor for hate littering. It could see penalties of up to a year in jail and even restitution. We have a plan to step up the penalty for this and hold people accountable. A San Diego police spokesperson says they are actively investigating what happened. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Cal State University trustees are meeting in Long Beach this week with plans to discuss a tuition hike before they wrap up tomorrow. At the same time, students who work for the CSU say they want a pay raise. Here's education reporter M.G. Perez with more. More than 19,000 student assistant workers across the Cal State system are trying to unionize, demanding better pay and lower tuition costs. Some of those workers, like Colin Culver, make less than minimum wage. Culver says he's paid $13.50 an hour as a dorm security employee at San Diego State. It is physically not possible to make enough money to live on campus while you're working on campus. And I think that's just completely wrong. Also, I think it's exploitative, and I think the CSU needs to support their students a lot better. The student workers are waiting on word from the California Public Employment Relations Board, which must approve an election for them to vote on whether to join the Cal State Employees Union. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. San Diego's fishing industry is getting a financial boost from the federal government. Reporter John Carroll tells us about a plan to get more locally caught seafood to San Diegans. It's a warm, humid morning at the G Street Pier. I'm meeting the head of the San Diego Fishermen's Working Group, Pete Halmey. We got 150 to 200 boats in San Diego Harbor. We harvest about 50 species of fish, and we don't have a really organized way of marketing it to the public. Right now, the main way all that fish caught off San Diego gets to the public is the fish market, run by the fishermen every Saturday at Tuna Harbor, a little pier right next to Seaport Village. The fishermen worked with the San Diego Regional Policy and Innovation Center to get a $300,000 grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. It's being used in two main ways. One is to get organized, so when, when we have a, a demand for some fish, that we're able to fulfill it. Steady supply is needed. Two fishermen can't do it, 30 or 40 can. The other objective is to market the fish to the hundreds of restaurants around San Diego County that currently get their fish from restaurant supply companies. 
fish that usually isn't local. Let's buy it from our guys. Keep the expertise here. Keep the money here in San Diego. The money earned by selling fish caught here, caught sustainably, right to your table or to a restaurant near you. John Carroll, KPBS News. Coming up, a new building in the Choya's View neighborhood is filled with public art. This is a diverse community and that um, having the opportunity really to reflect the diversity through art um, was really important. We'll have that story and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. KPBS's One Book, One San Diego program aims to connect the community by reading and discussing the same book. Each year, committees pick three books, one for adults, one for teens, and one for Spanish-language readers. The Some of Us, What Racism Costs Everyone and How We Can Prosper Together by Heather McGee is this year's adult pick. McGee spoke with my colleague, Jane Heinemann, last year about the book. You know, in your book, The Some of Us, you talk about drained pool politics. Can you explain what that is? You know, I, I came at the journey that I took that ultimately became the book, The Sum of Us, to answer a kind of simple question, but that nonetheless, the answer to which had uh, really eluded me for nearly 20 years, working at a think tank in public policy and in Washington, which was, why does it seem like America can't have nice things? And by nice things, I don't mean drive through espresso. I mean nice things like a well-funded public school in every neighborhood and truly universal guaranteed health care and child care and affordable housing. Um, these are the kinds of things that should be the hallmarks of a middle class life and are increasingly out of reach. And when I went on this journey, I, I wanted to look at real life examples across the country. Um, and one of the first places I went was Montgomery, Alabama, where I walked the grounds of what used to be a thousand plus person lavishly funded public swimming pool. And these kinds of swimming pools used to be kind of a hallmark of American life in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, when middle-class security was really strong and it was funded by tax dollars. It was part of this sort of ethos of public goods that ensured that everyone had a decent standard of living. But as we know, the public pool in Montgomery, Alabama, and in so many other places, either by law or by custom, was segregated and for whites only. And so too were the other kinds of public goods that helped to make a middle-class life really possible and affordable. Whether it was uh, mortgages and, and virtually free no down payment housing or social security or collective bargaining, all of these public goods of that time really helped to create a big middle class, but helped to create a whites only middle class. And what I discovered was that when the civil rights movement challenged the racial exclusivity of, of public goods like swimming pools and also of the rest of our social contract, that was really when we began to turn away from that winning formula. 
Hmm. Uh, what are some examples of recent policy uh, that's guilty of drained pool politics? Well, I found examples of drain pool politics. It seemed to be sort of everywhere I looked. Uh, think about how we went in our society from going from having basically free public college, right? State schools and universities where government picked up the tab and where the federal government came in through grants, not loans. That helped really create middle class prosperity. And yet we moved away from that free college system and towards a debt for diploma system where families have to kick in for tuition and where we have all of these loans. Um, and that happened when this new anti-government sentiment really rose up in the wake of the civil rights movement uh, and integration of education. And so the, the debt system right now that we have in higher education is an example of drained pool politics. I mean, like here in California, um, the cost of living, you know, meaning just basic necessities um, are skyrocketing, which yeah. widens the, the wealth gap. It, it puts equity further in the distance. Um, what policies do you think would fix some of these issues? You know, most of the big important challenges in our lives, we can't solve on our own, right? Like I can recycle all I want. I can't stop global climate change. I can scrimp and save from my paycheck. I can't make a housing affordable broadly for, you know, a starter family. Um, I can't you know, have a, my own healthcare system, right? These big things. We've tried to do it on our own in terms of childcare and being able to take leave for our families. Ultimately, the solution to these big problems where each individual trying to pay on their own has not made the math add up is for us to start pooling the costs, right? For us to really actually refill the pool of public goods and say, you know what? There's a bill in Washington that is languishing on the vine that would cap, for example, the amount that families pay for childcare at 7% of their income because it would, you know, inject public funding into the system and make millions of new um, high wage, uh, well trained childcare jobs and elder care jobs. That's the kind of solution that we need. We have a major supply problem in housing. We need to build more housing. And yes, dare I say, low um, low income affordable working class public housing that is you know really a gold standard for the world we can do that we can afford to do it and we can't afford it publicly and we simply can't afford to do it privately anymore the math just isn't adding up that was this year's kpbs one book one san diego adult pick author heather mcgee speaking with kpbs midday edition host jade Heinemann. You can learn more about her book, The Sum of Us, What Racism Costs Everyone and How We Can Prosper Together, and the other One Book, One San Diego selections at kpbs.org. San Diego County has LiveWell Centers, buildings that provide everything from vaccines to probation services to community meeting rooms. A new center in San Diego's Choya's View neighborhood also has a large display of public art. Producer Lara McCaffrey has more. The art installation Light of Passage hovers under a skylight at the County of San Diego's Southeastern Live Well Center. Hand-cut pieces of four different types of glass are attached to stainless steel wires, representing the nearby Choyas Creek. 
It's a sunny day, so the glass creates shadow play on the wall and floor below. Splashes of blue, purple, and yellow. I went out to the public, to the community for feedback. Um, during that period, they've expressed their desire to see a lot of colors and um, something that gives hope and optimism. Kaori Fukuyama created the art. I wanted to use um, materials that really sort of shines and reflect off of our beautiful sunlight. Light of Passage is one of many pieces of public art at the New Southeastern Live Well Center. Organizers of the center's art program say the pieces selected were based on community member feedback, an attempt to create a building for the community. The Tubman Chavez Center used to be where the Livewell Center stands now. In October 2021, construction for the 65,000-square-foot facility began. The goal was to combine several resource buildings into one. LiveWell centers are meant to provide social and health services to San Diegans. They're designed to be one-stop shops, aiming to prevent many visits to different buildings for access to various services. When it came to installing art in the building, the county gathered community input and then used a public art committee to make selections. Barbara Jimenez, community operations officer at the county, said it wasn't hard to get feedback. What we heard directly from the community that um, that this is a diverse community and that um, having the opportunity really to reflect the diversity through art um, was really important. 100 artists submitted proposals to a call for art in spring 2022. Art was purchased from 33 artists with 14 commissioned to create pieces especially for the building. There's installations, statues, paintings, a meditation garden, and more. One of the community requests, diversity, is seen in Francisco Emme's piece Crisol, meaning melting pot in Spanish. It consists of panels with ceramics and textiles. It's located in the stairwell under Fukuyama's installation. Visitors see a new panel every few steps taken. Emma says the textiles are from different cultures in San Diego. You know, this work is very non-personal, meaning that I did very little treatment to the textiles. I'm pretty much respecting the original design. Art consultant Leia Goodwin wanted the building to feel like a healing place. Even though it's a public health center, people still may not be having their best day. And so as a public art consultant, we look hard to find touch points to create beauty. Fukuyama hopes that visitors find that beauty from her work's light and colors. I'm hoping that if some people visit here more than once, then they see the changes throughout the day, throughout the season, and notice little things that, you know, changes around us. Laura McCaffrey, KPBS News. There will be an open house and resource fair at the center on October 14th. Members of the public are invited to tour the facility and see all the art. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for more of the day's top stories, plus 
we learned about a potential change to how Californians pay for electricity. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Tuesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.